Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're talking right now in this chapter of the podcast about verified memory management. So we want to have techniques for um, guaranteeing memory safety of programs uh, that, well, whichever kind of programs, but kind of the goal is let's try not to have garbage collection. Let's try to have some tools, some techniques that let us uh, get some you know, reasoning about our memory and making sure that we don't have memory errors without needing to fall back to a garbage collector. Basically because garbage collection is just too inefficient uh, in general. So uh, for today, I want to talk about uh, something called separation logic. And this is a formalism designed to, to sort of impose an abstraction on your heap and on your, as your program manipulates the heap and as you try to reason about what's going on with the heap. Uh, it's an abstraction that um, is designed to kind of try to reduce the amount of reasoning, explicit reasoning you have to do about this and that memory location being different. So I was trying to kind of control, uh, give you a logic that makes it easier to, to say, um, you know, to avoid having to speak about aliasing situations quite so much. Um, it's due to John C. Reynolds, the late and very great <laughs> programming languages um, theorist, was a professor at Carnegie Mellon for a long time. And this, this person has just such a depth of original and interesting ideas. We talked about one of his papers earlier in the podcast about um, semantics for uh, parametric polymorphism. And this paper, he has a paper I was looking at. It's uh, from Lix, Logic and Computer Science, 2002, I guess it is. And this paper has three, I think almost 3,000 citations. That is a bloody lot of citations for a paper. I, I mean, so he, he, this paper more or less spawned an entire field of computer science. So way to go. Something for us people who write papers to aspire to. Uh, and um, so the idea is that we're going to use uh, a, a language, a logical language, for talking about the heap. And this language is going to have, has some unusual connectives that are not the same as sort of your regular propositional logic or first order logic connectives. And they're ones that make it easier to express properties about the heap without constantly having to talk about um, which memory locations are not the same. So, uh, the first construct, the sort of what I've seen some other papers, I, I should say as a caveat. So if this paper, I'm, I'm wearing my not an expert hat at the moment, which I wear pretty much all the time. Uh, <laughs> I wear it when I'm helping my boy learn to play trumpet. I wear it when I'm helping my daughter learn Spanish. I just wear it constantly. And so if this paper has 3,000 citations, um, I, I am aware of this work and I've seen some of it, but I can assure you that there is no way I'll be able to do justice to the, the body of work um, that's spawned from this paper uh, in one or even a whole series of podcasts. So um, I'm just going to do my best to give you a, the introduction as far as I've got it myself. So in this logic, so we're defining a new logic. That's a new language of formulas. You know, logics are languages for making statements about things. And not, not for describing programs, right? Not for programming, not for saying how something should be computed, but for just saying how something is. And so we want a language that tells us how the heap is. 
And you could say, well, what's wrong with just like regular old logic, like just first order logic or something? You want to say, okay, if you start thinking about this, like, all right, we need some idea of locations. So we'd have some notion of what's a location in the heap. And then if we want to say something about the heap, then we say, like, okay, well, this location points to this and this other location points to that. Um, what's so hard about that? Well, I guess it's the this other location part of it. Uh, we don't really want to reason about concrete addresses, presumably. We don't want to say, when you run this program at this particular address in memory. I mean, that, that would not be acceptable, right? I mean, we have all these like memory layout randomization techniques and stuff that are used in uh, modern operating systems to try to prevent, try to help with the same problem that these techniques are trying to supposed to try to help with, which is memory corruption and attacks you know, security vulnerabilities due to misuse of memory. Um, so we, we really don't want to be speaking about concrete addresses. We really, it'd be much more appropriate to say something like, well, I've got this address, like A1 or something, and it points to, uh, you know, it's, it's points, the value stored at that address is this, and I've got an address A2, the value it points to, the, the value stored at that address is this other thing, whatever. But now I have A1 and A2, and I really should be making explicit, probably, that they're different, right? Or maybe I want to allow that they're the same. But if I have to say that they're different, do I really want to say, like, let's say that A1 has, address 1 has value 10, and address 2 has value 20, okay? So do I really want to say A1 points to 10, A2 points to 20, and A1, oh, I guess if you had said that, you would have implied that A1 and A2 are different, um, but maybe I want to say A1 has value X, A2 has value Y, and I want to say, oh, and by the way, A1 and A2 are different addresses. Then I'd have to add an explicit condition that says A1 does not equal A2. So I'm saying with a formula that there, these addresses are not, there's no aliasing going on. We can't have these two um, variables here, they're like logical variables or something, referring to the same address. Um, but it's going to, you can sort of see that it's quickly going to get annoying if I have lots of variables. Do I constantly need to be talking about these are not equal to these and these are not equal to those? I mean, what a pain. So at least one initial benefit, and as I was reading, I didn't even finish reading, sorry, the John C. Reynolds paper there about this, um, you know, that's how he sort of starts off. It's kind of like, well, imagine we're trying to prove something about this, some tiny, simple, itty-bitty little piece of imperative code. And he's basically ends up with a humongous formula describing all the non-aliasing conditions, including the fact that, um, you know, changes, they're basically trying to say that this program only changes, like only affects this small set of locations. It doesn't affect other locations. So that has to be explicitly stated. Yikes. And it, he shows pretty convincingly, you're going to get just a real headache of a formula talking about this doesn't know this, that, this is not equal to that. And so separation logic provides you some new logical operators that essentially kind of build some of this non-aliasing information into your logical language. So the first operator is called separating conjunction. And if you have a separating conjunction, it's saying that, um, so if I have like formulas a and B, and I do A separating conjunction B. I don't know how professionals pronounce that. It's, they write it with a star, at least in Reynolds' paper, it's written with a star. Um, so, uh, you know, what that means is, 
A holds on one part of the heap and B holds on a separate part of the heap. Um, so already, so basically the formula itself is saying the heap can be split into two pieces. A holds of the first piece, B holds of the second piece. Fantastic. Now I don't need to say explicitly that you know the various locations that A is trying to refer to are distinct from the locations B is trying to refer to. So that's one operator. And there's another operator called separating implication. And uh, the meaning of this one, as I got it from the paper, and I didn't get to any examples in the paper that explain this in more detail, but it says, um, it's like, you know, A, I think they call it magic wand or something like this. So it looks like they draw it with like a dash and a star. So it kind of looks like a funny kind of implication with a sort of a star at the end of it, uh, at the pointy end. So like A separating implication B means that um, if for all heaps that satisfy, for all pieces of heap that satisfy A, if you can, if you glue those pieces of heap together with the current heap, it would satisfy B. So it's sort of saying like if you extended the heap, uh, any way you extended the heap that satisfied A would satisfy B. Um, so, uh, oh, and then there's a primitive formula that just says like this, um, address points to, or has this value. Uh, and then there's another formula that says the heap is empty. Like there's not, there's like just represents the empty heap. Um, so, uh, these are the basic building blocks. And then one can define different to sort of show you can define uh, some other things like so when you just you have the formula like a um, points to, to x so that means you know address a ha has value x um, this is really very rigid formula that just says the entire heap consists only of a single location at, at, address, I mean, at address a that holds value x and there's nothing else in your heap at all um, you know that's obviously pretty uh, pretty restrictive and um, so they can, you know, you can open this up to say like, well, A points X, and then the rest of the heap could be doing some other stuff. So, uh, so you can build up from these pretty restrictive formulas, you can build up things that are um, more open and let you, you know, more flexibly describe the heap. Um, so uh, that's sort of the basics of the, the formalism of separation logic. And then in this Reynolds paper, it sort of goes up and sort of builds a verification framework uh, on top of this. And I would like to tell you more about it, but I have to learn more about it first. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I plan to dig a little more and learn a little more myself and then share another episode with you. But um, this is kind of the, the basics of it as I've seen so far. And I think based on what I've seen so far, then, you know, does this meet the criteria for verified memory management? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. The question though is kind of, we still are gonna have to reason about locations and like what things point to what. And that's something where like the region-based memory management stuff, uh, you know, it, it was, it seemed like it was able to avoid I'd really love something that avoids directly having to talk about memory locations. It might not be possible. Um, so, you know, because it's, it's a little ugly to, 
to have to reason, talk explicitly about addresses. And separation logic is supposed to help reduce the pain of that a lot. And it, it sure looks like it would. Um, but still, uh, I, I still want to know if, you know, can we go, how far can we go with reasoning explicitly about memory operations? Again, like my goal is pure functional programming. I just want pure functional programming with no garbage collector. So, um, and, you know, yeah. So can we, how far can we go with that where, um, without having to reason explicitly in a type or a formula or whatever about, about memory locations, about aliasing, you might have to, but, but in a pure functional language, you know, you're not doing any, you might still have to worry about aliasing, right? But you know, you're not doing any, um, you know, imperative updates of data structures, but you certainly can still have aliasing and that's where all the problems would come in, right? If you have, two variables refer to the same location memory and you say, oh, let's delete that location through the variable, the first variable, then the second variable is now a dangling pointer. So, you know, it seems like you're not going to really escape having to deal with aliasing if you want to do verified memory management. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for listening. I hope you're good wherever you are. It's uh, really, really hot in Iowa right now. The Midwest gets really hot in the summer, really cold in the winter. <laughs> it's a great place to live if you kind of like extremes. All right. Um, again, hope you're well. Drop me a line anytime and talk to you the next time.